Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a wonderful start to your Wednesday. It is Wednesday, July 28th, and we are officially one day away from the 2021 NBA draft. And it's an NBA draft that has become a lot more significant for the Grizzlies. It seems like that happens Every year now under this front office, and it continues to happen at grander scales. Obviously, this season now with the major trade that has happened between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. Really exciting to see what happened. But in this episode, I'm going to talk on how the focus for this draft may not necessarily just be on what the Grizzlies do with that tenth pick. Uh, coming up in this episode, in the first segment, I'm going to look at the I'm going to look at the trade itself. From a perspective of 24 hours later, after having gathered all the information, considering all the different perspectives, where does this trade really make sense as a true benefit to the Grizzlies? Also going to rank the five prospects that make the most sense for the Grizzlies at the 10th selection. And then, in the second and third segments, I'm going to talk about how the different ways in which the Grizzlies might be able to trade up with different teams in the top 10 of this draft. And in the third segment, talk a little bit more about how the, the Grizzlies really now have the platform in place for them to explore a second trade to get a true upside pick in this draft. Of course, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC. My name is Sean Coleman. It's been a pleasure talking with you throughout this draft process, yesterday's episode with Joe Molinax and Parker Fleming, as well as the episode on the international prospects with Alan Ramich, were absolutely outstanding, talking about some different prospects that the Grizzlies can consider. You can find all the shows at Locked on Grizz on Twitter, myself at StatsSAC. My name is Sean Coleman. I'm a credentialed media member of the Grizzlies. I've been covering the Grizzlies for three years over at Grizzly Bear Blues, as well as here at Locked on Grizzlies. This is the one place where you can get the, your latest Grizzlies news, perspectives, insight, and honest truth when it comes to your Grizzlies every day. Of course, we want to remind you of content coming your way over the next few weeks, even past the draft going into free agency. So 30 hours has passed since we learned of this trade for the Grizzlies. A, a trade that, in general, despite the details of the trade, were just simply are just now simply so intriguing because of the options that it provides the Grizzlies. But, you know, more than 24 hours past the trade, here's the perspective that I feel makes the most sense as to why the Grizzlies did what they did, especially with them expanding the deal and not just taking on the trade of... Eric, or taking on the contract of Eric Bledsoe, but also taking on the contract and a two-year commitment now to Stephen Adams. Coming into this offseason, the Grizzlies had, obviously, the 17th pick and the 51st pick in this draft. And they also had, obviously, Jonas Valanciunas' $14 million contract. They also had a contract decision on Justice Winslow. Well, the thing is, is that the Grizzlies, if they declined Justice Winslow's contract... That would leave them with about 22 to $23 million in cap space. And I truly feel that the Grizzlies want, wanted, and they still may have an avenue where they can. I truly do feel the, a preference for the Grizzlies was to keep Winslow around, was to keep Winslow in the fold. It just, it, it just did not has not worked out because at the end of the day, the Grizzlies found an opportunity in this trade to really get what they want. And what was the end game? It was to find the most beneficial way for not only for this Grizzlies team or this Grizzlies front office to have multiple picks in this draft to take advantage of the upside depth in this draft, but also be able to do it without giving up 
future assets. And how were the Grizzlies able to do that? They were able to do that by taking the $14 million committed to Jonas and the cap space that they had available, a lot of which was created you know, once they're likely to decline the option of Justice Winslow. Instead of paying Jonas that $14 million and then using that cap space to go out and make some type of consolidation trade or make some type of signing that could help them out in the short term, what the Grizzlies did was they took Jonas and they took that cap space and they turned it into less than desirable contracts in Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe, but through the process created the ability to be in a much easier position to make multiple trades in this draft, plus be able to get an extra asset next year where they can make the needed moves in this draft that they want to without having given up any of the assets that they had to start out with. Before they made the trade, the Grizzlies had Jonas owed $14 million. They had nearly a little over $20 million in cap space, and they had two picks next year, plus uh, or in the first round, plus 17 and 51. You trade Jonas in the cap space for Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe. You now have pick 10, pick 40, and three picks next year. So at the end of the day, the Grizzlies are set up to where they cannot just make one trade potentially to move up. They can make multiple trades in this draft, and that's the whole goal in doing it. So if if I understand that they're like, if you listen to the Low Post podcast today, if you listen to some perspectives that are out there, I can certainly understand in terms of valuation with how much the Grizzlies brought in, and especially the fact that they gave up the best player in this draft, I can certainly understand that some may feel that the Pelicans got more value out of this deal than the Grizzlies did. But I don't think that that's the best way of looking at it. I don't feel this is a deal where one team won and one team didn't, or it was a fleecing. I feel that both teams benefited in the route that they wanted to go. The Pelicans wanted to create cap space to allow for them to be able to make a big move to bring in another piece or two to support Zion. Plus, in the process, they also got Jonas Valanciunas as an upgrade. And the Grizzlies wanted to have a deeper treasure chest of assets through utilizing their cap space, and they were able to get that so it allows for them to make the most of this draft while also in the process not losing anything long-term when it comes to their future assets. Both teams were able to accomplish their goals, and we're going to get into why it makes sense for the Grizzlies now with the assets that they have to really move around the draft board as they see fit. But if they're wanting to move around the draft board, what's the biggest reason why they moved up to number 10? I mentioned it on yesterday's episode. The reason why I feel that they moved up to 10, why they really wanted to get creative in moving up to 10, is because at pick 10, the Grizzlies have a much better chance of getting a significant talent or a talent that they feel significantly more confident in getting at 10 than getting at 17 that'll, that'll hit on one of the two biggest needs for this Grizzlies team. That is the roster need of having a significant wing talent to pair with John Jaron, as well as a skill set need of a shooter with uh, of a player who has significant shooting or shot creation upside. And the five names that have been linked to the Grizzlies as being potential targets for them really match up with those two needs. 
The way that I would rank the Grizzlies' likelihood, or the way that I would, you know, in my personal opinion, who I would prefer the Grizzlies to go after, number one is Moses Moody. That that has stayed the same throughout all of this. I just think that Moses Moody offers the most intriguing combination of significant upside, fitting the need for a wing on the Grizzlies roster, shooting upside, and two-way ability. I feel that he offers the best combination of that. So number one would be Moses Moody. Obviously, the likelihood is we're going to have to trade up to get him. Number two would be James Boatnight. Now, I will go ahead and admit, I think that James Boatnight is the least likely to be available where the Grizzlies are most likely going to need to trade up to get him. But I do think there's a reason why, and that it's his ability to be able to create his own shot. If James Boatnight were to fall past Oklahoma City, then it becomes very interesting as to how likely is it for the Grizzlies to want to target him. And do I think that they wind up with him? No. I think that number one in Moses Moody and number three on my list are much more likely targets to be acquired by the Grizzlies than James Boatnight. Number three is Franz Wagner. Now, I can't sit here and say with confidence that I feel Wagner has as high of an upside as a Moody or a Boatnight if everything were to hit right. But one thing he has is natural length. Nearly likely 6'10", nearly 6'11", in terms of his height. And then overall, the ability for him to be a two-way contributor as a defender who can defend multiple positions and a shooter, but also underrated facilitation, I understand he may not have as high of a ceiling as many on this list of five that could be connected to the Grizzlies or the Grizzlies could target, but I do feel that he is certainly intriguing, and he is the prospect that hits on nearly all of the preferences the Grizzlies have shown in wanting to have in-draft prospects in the past. Number four on my list is kind of the anti-Franz Wagner in that there's very little known about him, but he may have the highest ceiling of any of these names, uh, of any of these five names, and that's Josh Giddy. Now, I will admit, I've admitted on Twitter, I've admitted on here, I am lower on Giddy than most because I do favor having multiple areas in which you can certainly have significant projection and contribution. With Moody, it's his shooting and his defense. With Boatnight, it's ability it's his ability to be a shot creator. With Franz Wagner, it's ability it's his ability to be a two-way wing as well. With Giddy, you have the playmaking and you have the feel. But how much of work in progress is Giddy on defense? off the ball, scoring. I think that there's a lot of question marks that make Giddy more of a boomer bust prospect than Moody, Boatnight, or Wagner. And for that reason, I'm not as confident that he is as certain to be a significant contributor than those three. So that's why he's number four on my list. But his playmaking arguably could be the best in this draft up there with Sharif Cooper. And of course, you get it in a 6-8 frame. That is certainly valuable plus the field that's naturally there, which the Grizzlies seem to value. I think there is significant truth to the Grizzlies wanting to focus on Giddy, but I don't think he's their top target. Number five on this list may surprise, but it's actually Jonathan Kaminga. Physically, Jonathan Kaminga is probably a top three to five talent in this draft, in terms of having an NBA body, in terms of having a projectable size that can do a lot of different things on both ends of the court. But you have a very raw talent. You have a very big project that you're going to work with. The upside is certainly significant. Kaminga probably has more theoretical upside than anybody that I mentioned. And though the Grizzlies are a place that I think can certainly help a talent be able to reach their upside, I don't necessarily know if the Grizzlies want to have that big of a project on their hands, though Kaminga certainly did show some flashes in the G League. At the end of the day, whether it's Moody, it's Boatnight, it's it's Wagner, it's Giddy, it's Kaminga, I can be easily convinced, and Grizzlies fans should not be that hard to convince to be happy with any of those picks being the selection. 
It's just that I think that when it comes to Moody, Boat Knight, and Wagner, the best combination of having an idea of what you're going to get, having an idea that what you're getting addresses areas of needs for your roster and skill set needs moving forward, I think that's what makes those three stand out. But the likelihood is that if the Grizzlies wanted to target one of those three, they're going to have to find a way to trade up. But the good thing about the Grizzlies is, is that now with the resources of assets and also the depth that they have on their roster, the Grizzlies could be one of the more resourceful and easier trade targets for teams to want to trade with than others because of the multiple ways in which they can make a trade work out. Coming up, we're going to talk about what spots in the top 10 make the most sense for the Grizzlies to target in, to target in a trade-up and how they could approach working out a trade with each of these targets on Thursday night. Obviously, over the past few weeks in the journey up to the 2021 NBA Draft, the Locked On NBA Podcast Network has provided you great content both on local and national levels when it comes to coverage of the NBA draft from the 2021 ultimate uh, ultimate mock draft to all the latest news coverage regardless of what team that you cheer for well the best is yet to come as the locked on podcast network will be providing their live locked on NBA draft live show this Thursday night, NBA Draft GOAT Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. And the great thing about this specific draft show is that you'll get instant reaction and analysis from local experts on the teams that you love based off the picks that happen. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Listen, we just talked about the options that the Grizzlies could consider with the 10th pick of the 2021 NBA Draft. The great thing is, is that more than likely, regardless of what options the Grizzlies go with, they're going to be able to make the most of it. It's not that they are bad options to choose from, it's just you may prefer some options over the others. Well, that certainly describes the options that you have at BillBar.com. First of all, Built Bar is a great tasting protein bar. It's a, it tastes like a candy bar, but adds the benefits of a protein bar. Have it in the morning for breakfast or in the afternoon as a snack. But when it comes to options, whatever taste you prefer, there are over 18 different flavors to choose from at BuiltBar.com. But if you're someone like me who likes to try different things, all the tastes are great if you want to try them out. Also, go to BuiltBar.com right now and put in the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, to get to get 15% off your next order from BuiltBar.com. If you want to make it a part of your day, I would be willing to bet it's going to be there to stay. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, put in the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order from BuiltBar. So immediately after the Grizzlies made the trade with the Pelicans that they did, the, the, the overwhelming focus from those that cover the draft, from those that are on the know and things such as that, is that the Grizzlies were not done. The Grizzlies did a great job of being able to use their cap space in order to gain assets, but the focus has always been for them not only to move up to the draft to be in the spot that they are now, a significantly better spot in terms of value from the 10th spot. It was now, once again with the assets that they have, having the opportunity to potentially move up once again to truly get a target that they want in this draft. But I want to expand on that a little bit. Because like I mentioned in the first segment, I don't think that it's necessarily one specific target 
that this Grizzlies team is looking to focus on. I more think that the Grizzlies wanted to put themselves in a significantly better position to land in hot spots of the draft to take from a group of two or three players talents that they really are focused on when it comes to improving this roster moving forward. We've seen news over the past few days of some of the talents that the Grizzlies have worked out leading up to the draft. We've seen names like J.T. Thor, Cam Thomas, multiple works out with Moses Moody, conversations with James Boatnight. Yesterday evening, we found out that Jaden Springer had worked out with the Grizzlies. There, These are two different levels in the draft of names that the Grizzlies have worked out. And that, to me, shows that Memphis really does have an interest in being able to pick in the top 10, but also getting back into this, the latter part of the first round to take a true shot in an upside swing in the depth of upside that's in this draft. But how can the Grizzlies make this work? And the biggest thing about it is, how can they make it work on multiple fronts to get into both the top 10, or further up in the top 10, as well as the latter part of the first round to get two talents they really, really desire to add to this roster? The reason why is because the Grizzlies, through all these trades that they've made in the past, as well as with the Pelicans, they've created multiple avenues in which they can attract teams to make a trade. And the best way to look at it is how they can match up in trades with teams that pick before them in the top 10. Now, I know that there has been a rumor from the same person, Jake Fisher, who has done an amazing job, and kudos to Jake Fisher for his accuracy in his reporting. Jake Fisher and Bleacher Report reported yesterday that teams have been calling the Cleveland Cavaliers about the number three pick, and that one of the teams that had been rumored to contact Cleveland was the Memphis Grizzlies. I do not buy that there's a legitimate shot the Grizzlies are going to move up to three. I think that there was some type of exploratory conversations. I do certainly think that that was the case. But for the Grizzlies to move from 10 to 3, the logical way for them to do that would be to take on the multiple-year contract of Kevin Love, who is owed $29 million and $31 million, basically $60 uh, combined million dollars over the next two years. It would be to take on that type of contract. I don't think that I think the Grizzlies had a better shot of doing that before they used their cap space in their New Orleans trade than they do now. I feel that there likely was a scenario where the Grizzlies may have reached out to Cleveland before they did this trade with New Orleans just to gouge the price of what else they would have to add to 10 if they did this trade. Then it was for them to now take Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe. I think there certainly are ways for this trade to be worked out, but I think that the Grizzlies probably may, may have theoretically had an easier way to do it had they had some of this cap space free. I think that another way could have been is that if the Grizzlies were to have gained 10 in just the Bledsoe contract, then they could have worked it out with Cleveland if they added enough assets to 10 to move up to 3, they could have wound up then getting Kevin Love, but when the Grizzlies took on both Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe, I just don't see how it really made, it makes sense for the Grizzlies to try to get up to pick three, and I especially don't think that it makes sense because I don't think despite the assets that the Grizzlies have right now, and even taking on the contract of Kevin Love, 
I don't think that the Grizzlies have enough of a quality package, especially if they're not willing to include Jaron Jackson Jr. I just don't think there's enough quality that the Grizzlies are going to be comfortable paying for them to convince Cleveland to move off the opportunity Cleveland has to add a talent like a Jalen Green or an Evan Mobley. I, I wouldn't be surprised with this front office if they somehow made the move. I just think it's very likely very unlikely that there is traction to be made with the Grizzlies moving from 10 to 3. But the few spots before 10 that make sense, in my opinion, start with pick 7 and the Golden State Warriors. And this is how the Grizzlies have flexibility and versatility with how they can make trades. With the Warriors, where the Grizzlies could certainly make something work, is that the Grizzlies have immediate contributors in rotation spots that they could add to 10 to attract Golden State in an ability to get up to seven to really have a shot at getting a preferred talent like a Moody or a Wagner or whoever may be there. The Grizzlies could work out a a, a trade in which they could talk possibly DeAnthony Melton, possibly Kyle Anderson, to a lesser extent, Grayson Allen or someone else. They can offer a role player plus perhaps another asset with 10 to move up to 7, and it is a logical, there's a logical sense to be made that Golden State may be willing to talk about that because at the end of the day, they're only moving back a few spots. But their strength, but Golden State would be strengthening their roster by adding an immediate contributor and potentially another trade piece as well if they want to make a bigger move down the road. So the Grizzlies' ability to have both draft assets plus attractive young rotation pieces, they could put a mixture of that together to trade up to seven with Golden State and provide Golden State with the immediate contributor they look for, but also another asset that would entice Golden State to move back from seven to ten. With the Magic at number 8, if they get who they want at number 5 and the Magic are in a complete rebuild, I find it hard to believe that it would be hard to convince the Magic to go from 8 to 10 while also picking up another future first. You could possibly give them the new Lakers first that the Grizzlies have got or the Utah first next year. And if the Magic truly are looking to do what they can to be in the best position to make the most of their rebuild, moving back two spots and also gaining a a pretty valuable first-round pick in what should be a strong draft next year, it certainly seems to make sense. So the Grizzlies, in a different fashion, with Golden State, it was a mixture of a potential draft asset as well as an immediate contributor. With the Magic, it's the ability to offer a draft pick asset to a team that's fully into rebuild, and that's how the Grizzlies could move up to number eight. At number nine, it gets a bit more interesting because at number nine, you have the Sacramento Kings who have who have some contracts that they'd like to move off of similar to what New Orleans did. But perhaps the Grizzlies may feel that the contract of Buddy Heald and the skill set that he offers, which I feel is going to be a more attractive fit to this Grizzlies roster moving forward than an Eric Bledsoe or a Stephen Adams would be, the Grizzlies may be enticed to turn either Bledsoe or Adams into Buddy Heald. And in the process, because Buddy Heald has three years remaining on his contract, they can get number nine from the Kings while sending number 10 to Sacramento. Now, the the details of that would need to be worked out, but the attraction of that type of move is that in Buddy Heald, yes, you do get that extra year commitment. And his contract probably is not viewed as a clear asset right now. But I strongly feel that his ability to create his own shot 
fits a need for the Grizzlies, and I also think that pairing him with Taylor Jenkins could allow for Buddy Heald to get back to where he was, you know, in the recent past. Maybe not all the way, but I do think that in terms of if the Grizzlies are going to have long-term commitments in some shape or form, why not have it in a player like Heald who fits your need of being a shot creator and you know has a profile that Taylor Jenkins has had success in further in, in developing? Why not have that type of combination than Steven Adams or Eric Bledsoe? That's the logic behind it. I don't necessarily know if the Grizzlies want to go through the complications of taking on the healed contract just to move up one spot when it may be easier to trade up to seven or eight. But at the end of the day, the point is this, is that the Grizzlies have different ways. They're, in terms of trading up to seven, eight, or nine, the Grizzlies can go one of three different avenues with each of those teams. They can set up a way to benefit Golden State, Orlando, or Sacramento in different ways because of the flexibility the Grizzlies have when it comes to draft assets as well as young, attractive rotation pieces. At the end of the day, I think that Golden State or Orlando, especially Orlando, probably makes the most sense for the Grizzlies to go to to trade up for because the other thing that the other thing that comes into play that's significant for this Grizzlies team to get in front of Sacramento is that Sacramento has as clear of a need for a big time wing than Golden State or than Memphis does. At the very least, if you get up to eight in front of Sacramento, you may not have the ability to choose between Moses Moody and Franz Wagner, but you at least have the ability to get one of those two if you're satisfied with either or. So at the end of the day, the Grizzlies certainly can make a trade-up make sense. How they do it is to be seen, but the fact that they can do it in multiple ways to attract multiple teams in different ways certainly puts them in a position of leverage if they decide they want to move up for the talent that they truly want. But the whole idea behind the trade that was made with the Pelicans wasn't just the ability to get further up in this, to get into the lottery and then move up as they need to to get a true talent in the top 10 of this draft. It also was to position the Grizzlies to make a second move, in my opinion, to really have the chance of making an upside play, of taking advantage of the upside plays that are later on in this draft. Coming up, we've talked about how the Grizzlies can move up in the top 10. How could they possibly re-enter the first round to be able to put a combo of highly intriguing prospects together for this roster for the future? Obviously, in discussing the NBA draft, we're trying to talk about ways in which, in multiple ways, the Grizzlies are f trying to find multiple upgrades to their roster moving forward to make it perform better. Well, the same logic can be applied to your car. There are times where you're going to have to make multiple upgrades when it comes to parts to make sure your car is performing the best that it can. Well, if you're in, in search of parts, and no matter if you're someone who does their own repairs or, or you do auto repairs for others for a living, rockauto.com is a great source. Number one, it's usually very easy to use. Within a few clicks of the button, you're likely going to find what you need. Regardless of make and model of your car or the part that you need, it's likely going to be found. The other great thing is that rockauto.com is a family-owned business. They've been in business for over 20 years. They know car parts typically fall out of budgets, and for that reason, they try to make things as economically feasible as possible. If you visit rockauto.com, make sure you let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today we've identified the different places that would make the most sense for the Grizzlies to trade up into further into the top 10 of 
this year's draft. And, and the way that the, the reason why the Grizzlies have multiple options they can consider is because the Grizzlies have multiple ways in which they can put together an attractive trade package to move up. They can either use attractive rotation pieces that are on the roster due to their depth, or they could bring on an asset from the future first that they have that they've acquired through trades. Well, with that same option in mind, that, that same philosophy in mind, it's not only trading further up in the top 10 that makes sense for the Grizzlies, but also now with pick 40 in the second round, attaching that pick to either a, a, a rotation piece or a future first and moving up further in this draft to land in that 20 to 30 range where there is still going to be plenty of upside swing type talents for the Grizzlies to go after. The big key, in my opinion, that makes sense is that my preference, and I feel like it makes sense for the Grizzlies to prefer this as well, is despite pick 7 or 10 and 40 that they have now, I really think that the Grizzlies' preference would be to take one piece that's currently on their roster, which is why you've seen the name Tyus Jones being shopped around, take one additional piece that's on their roster and take one of their future firsts, combine that with in some form or fashion with pick 10 to move up, and combine the other with some in some form or fashion with pick 40 and move up so that the Grizzlies can get a pick earlier than 10 in the lottery, but also can get a second first rounder in this draft. I really don't think that the Grizzlies are looking to trade multiple future firsts to move up twice in this draft. And I really don't think that the Grizzlies are looking to move a player of the caliber of DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark, or Kyle Anderson when they've already moved Jonas Valanciunas. They could in the right scenario. But I think that the expendable pieces that the Grizzlies are really looking to choose from in multiple moves up in this draft are Grayson Allen and Tyus Jones from their uh, from the roster that the Grizzlies have or both of their first round picks via the Lakers and the Jazz in the 2022 draft. Using one of those two first round picks and either Grayson or Tyus in trades, I feel is the way the Grizzlies want to go in some way, shape, or form, using one of Grayson and Tyus, using one of those first round picks to attach to 10 in one move and attach to pick 40 in the other. That's the route the Grizzlies want to go in order to move up twice in this draft to get a pick in the top 10, but also get another pick in the late first. And there are attractive spots in the 20s just and then the Grizzlies can make trade packages that could make those teams make moves in the 20s just like the Grizzlies can put attractive trade packages together to move up from 10 to 7 8 or 9 you've got teams like the Lakers the Clippers the Nuggets perhaps the Nets that really could be interested in a Tyus Jones or a Grayson Allen or a Kyle Anderson if the Grizzlies just simply wanted to, to explore the market for Kyle Anderson. For instance, you know, at, at pick 22 or 25, one of the two LA teams, you could potentially put some type of package together that includes Tyus Jones as well as that 40th pick and then be able to get either 22 or 25 to go after a talent that you've worked out because that's the big key, right? It's the fact that the Grizzlies have worked out or have worked out or talked to quite a bit of quite an amount of names 
that are likely going to be in that area of the draft that fit the mold of being an upside swing, such as a Jaden Springer, such as a Cam Thomas, such as a Josh Christopher or a Trey Murphy or a JT Thor. They've talked with multiple names that are highly that have highly intriguing upside, but are likely going to be available in the 20s and early 30s, but may not be available at pick 40. So if an, if a team that's hoping to contend next season needs point guard help, like you could see the the two LA teams, maybe Denver at 26 or Brooklyn at 29, Tyus Jones makes sense for them to take on and still get a, a valuable pick at 40 to move off a late first. Maybe one of those contenders need backcourt or perimeter shooting. You could do the same thing with Grayson Allen. Or if the Grizzlies were to have to use a rotation piece like a Tyus or a Grayson, plus a first-round pick to move up from 10 to number 7 or to number 8, then the Grizzlies may even be willing to look at seeing if they could convert a trade by shopping Kyle Anderson to those same teams. Kyle Anderson could be a very valuable piece to one of the two LA teams or Denver to any of the contenders that you see picking in the 20s. Maybe the Grizzlies are fine trading him straight up for a draft pick to where they could take that upside swing. I don't think that's likely, but the point is, and this is the overall theme that makes this trade so valuable for the Grizzlies, is that they have so many different avenues they could take to make trades happen on multiple fronts that they, that at the end of the day allows for them to get a, an extremely valuable duo of prospects from this highly, highly significant draft when it comes to upside depth. That's the whole idea behind it. It's being able to have options. It's being able for a creative front office to, in so many different ways, make something happen that allows for them to reach their desired goal of getting talents that will improve this roster going forward while also maintaining assets to make other moves in the future. That's why it is so critical that the Grizzlies have been able to not only build up their roster with attractive trade pieces on reasonable contracts, but also to build up their asset cover, covered through these trades that they've done. You certainly, you could say that with how the Grizzlies have taken on contracts into cap space, they may not have gotten as much value as you would theoretically think they could have, and obviously they missed on um, Justice Winslow. But at the end of the day, the Grizzlies are in a very, very admirable position to not only add multiple significant talents on Thursday night, but still have more than enough assets to make the one big move for a significant established NBA talent over the next 12 months to really put together a team that can reach the overall goal of this team being a sustainable winner going forward. However the Grizzlies decide to do what they want to do, I truly do feel we're going to see multiple moves made by this team on Thursday night, and several of these scenarios that we've gone through is the route that the Grizzlies can take to get it done. It's going to be an exciting time, and there are many different combinations of players that can make Thursday night a significantly important one for the Grizzlies' future. And with how the Grizzlies front office has made, have made decisions in the draft, how well they've done in trades, and how well they've done in development, you have to be highly confident that whatever the end result of all these moves are going to be, come Friday morning, you have to feel highly confident this Grizzlies team is going to make the most of the opportunity that's ahead of itself. 
We're going to have it all for you tomorrow. We will have a very special episode of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast as a draft preview. Going to be breaking down, uh, once again, all the latest news and all the different scenarios that could possibly happen in terms of different combination of players that can make the most sense. What combination of players really would be a home run night for the Grizzlies? We'll talk about that more on tomorrow's episode. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSCC. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz. It's been a pleasure being with you. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.